this summer. Your local movie theater transforms into a tent revival for sharing Jesus. Join believers nationwide for the Million Souls campaign, inviting unsaved loved ones to experience The Firing Squad, a new evangelistic movie starring Kevin Sorbo and Cuba Gooding Jr. Witness the true story that made worldwide headlines, American prisoners discovering faith in Christ while awaiting execution for their crimes in a third world country, transforming their lives and the entire prison in the process. After the movie and before the credits roll, Kevin Sorbo will come on the screen to lead the entire theater in a prayer to commit one's life to Jesus Christ. Visit FiringSquadFilm.com and learn how to get free tickets and more for your unsaved loved ones and become part of this unique event. Bring friends, family, and your faith. Learn more at FiringSquadFilm.com. That's FiringSquadFilm.com. Hey, make sure to check out the pilot episode of my brand new podcast, Honest History. The episode's titled Control Freaks, The Scientific Roots of Progressive Tyranny. It's available right now wherever you get your podcast. When's the last time you checked your legal title to your home? Um, if you're saying, maybe it was like three days ago because I'm really diligent on this stuff, you're lying. We know you don't check the home title of your home. That's why Home Title Lock exists. Uh, if you want to be the type of person, like a one homeowner that actually was pulling up to their house and, and uh, they, uh, well, everything got shut down because their house was bulldozed in front of them because someone else thought they had bought the house and were redoing it. Well, that's not what was going on because it was uh, stolen. Uh, your home title can be stolen from, you know, various cyber criminals and then sold again without you even realizing it. You can still be living in the house and they just sell it out from under you. Home Title Lock helps you protect your home. Don't let this happen to you. Go with Home Title Lock. Protect your home. Everyone around here has it because we've been talking about this for such a long time. HomeTitleLock.com. The promo code is Beck. HomeTitleLock.com. Code is Beck. For your, you get 30 risk-free days of protection when you sign up now. And then you can protect yourself going forward so your house doesn't get bulldozed. Seems pretty obvious. HomeTitleLock.com. Code is Beck. It's HomeTitleLock.com. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. We're glad you're here. Um, we're going we're to start with the world being upside down. Why not? We're here. We're queer. We're coming for your children. Let's just talk about that for a second because NBC shed some new light on that. We begin in 60 seconds. Daniel wrote in about his dog's experience with Rough Greens. Um, uh, he writes in that uh, Finnegan is 12 years old, a husky lab who used to sleep most of the day. He had to spike his food every day with cheese, and then he wouldn't eat most of his food, sometime for days. This sounds exactly like Uno. 
A month or so into Rough Greens, Finnegan uh, is incredibly active, runs and plays with all the other dogs. I wish I would have discovered Rough Greens years ago. Rough Greens is not a dog food. It's a supplement developed by naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black that you sprinkle on your dog's food. Remember, brown food is dead food. Well, I mean, except for meat. Well, I mean, it is dead food. I mean, I wouldn't want to eat a cow alive. Anyway, uh, this is filled with vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants, you name it. Do you know what it's like to live in my head? It's not a fun place. It's probably in Rough Greens if it's good. The folks at Rough Greens so confident your dog is going to love it. They have a special deal for you. Go to roughgreens.com slash Beck. They'll give you your first trial bag for free. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Hell, hello, Stu. Glenn, how are you today? Have they come for your children yet? Ah, well, I'm fine. Children uh, are, are on vacation. They're with their grandparents, so I don't know. My gosh, they may have so come already for them. And we're old. We're grandparents, and we're coming for your children. Oh my god! <laughs> they took them from the airport, Glenn. My dad, right at the airport. Mm-hmm. <gasps> you know who it is? I bet it was the grandparents of that guy that steals luggage. <laughs> you know, the guy who was mm-hmm. in the nuclear... Yeah. Samuel Brinton. I'm old. Mm-hmm. I'm the grandparent of that guy who I can't remember <laughs> that used to work at the nuclear thing, and I'm coming for your children's <laughs> suitcases. Uh, over the weekend, everybody's been talking about this video uh, that has been circulating, a New York uh, City Pride March. We're coming, we're coming for your children. The chant has uh, apparently, according to uh, many, has been used by year, for years. And it's, a, it's a, almost a tradition now. Gay rights activists, they use these expressions to, um, you know, to counter the slurs against LGBTQ people. Now, I would just like to point out to anybody who is on the right... If you're marching, the slur is always that you're some sort of a Nazi or something. Let's not let's not say we're here, we're Nazis, we're coming for the Jews. I think that would be a very bad thing to do. Who would do that? Who would do that? Now, I'm going to admit something. I don't know if I've ever admitted on the air. But I was young and stupid. I was probably 25 years old, 24 years old. And I was on the air in Houston, Texas. And I was the morning guy. And I was, as I said, young and stupid. And would do anything for a laugh. I happen to have a dark sense of humor. Not everybody does. I was invited to be on Stu's eyes. <laughs> I look over and Stu's eyes are just wide like, what the hell is coming? Oh, gosh, I hate when these stories come and I don't know what, how they end. That this is, this is, you know how like they have stories of like you wake up and you're doing a speech and then you look down and you don't have your pants on? This is the moment I have nightmares about, <laughs> <Yeah>. this one. <laughs> So, I was invited to uh, participate in a parade at the Johnson Space Center in Houston. Now, 
I happen to be riding uh, on a giant like boombox, which provided me a microphone for the boombox. And I was waving all of these astronauts and everything are all around in cars, you know, in Corvettes or whatever. They're all driving. And I thought it would be funny if I just said, hi, it's all a hoax. It was all a hoax. (laughs) (laughs) That was uh, I died laughing until uh, about a quarter of the way into the parade. (laughs) Somebody jumped out of a car and said, I'm with the families of the Challenger. Could you not say that anymore? And I'm like, no, I didn't mean you guys. That was real. I meant the moon thing. (laughs) It was bad. It was bad. Okay. Uh, Yeah. There's a reason nobody knows that story until now. Mm -hmm. It's been 40 years to get that story told. Uh, but the only reason why I bring it up is because sometimes people are that stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yes. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that there are stupid people and I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that maybe it used to be funny. Okay. Amongst yourselves. It's not funny now. It hasn't been funny in quite some time. Especially when people are concerned about their children in schools. You know, before the drag queens were doing drag queen story hour, before you were telling our children that, you know, hey, queen, you can be a queen too, and they're seven, it might have been funny in some circles. It is not funny now, it is actually very scary. So can you stop saying it? Because if you don't stop saying it, we have to take you seriously. You know, that's kind of a, I don't know, kind of a safety uh, tip that I like. When someone threatens you or your family, I take you seriously. If I, you know what wouldn't have been funny? Uh, hey, NASA astronauts, I'm coming for your children. It, it wouldn't have been funny. People tend not to have a sense of humor when their children are threatened. Especially when, you know, people are like, hey, I think people are grooming children. All right. So now, on the good side. Whew, Let me give you this story from MSNBC. Conservative politicians, pundits have increasingly referred to advocates for the LGBTQ community as groomers, um, associating people who oppose laws that restrict drag performances or classroom discussions of gender identity with pedophiles. The charge is an echo of a decades-old trope anti-gay activists have used to paint the community as a threat to the country's youth. The allegation is that some advocates say endangers LGBTQ people and the intense reaction to the video has scared some attendees who insist the quip has been taken out of context. No, it, it, it hasn't. Can we play the whole clip, please? Yeah. 
I think by, you know, marching in the streets like drag queens, exposed breasts, you know, naked, whatever. I think I have it in context. I do. Now, I miss the <laughs> that's funny part of it because of the times in which we live. Okay, You know, you know, what wouldn't be funny is Mel Brooks history of the world part one or part two, when uh, he's doing the Inquisition and also the Nazi roundup. Springtime for Hitler would not be funny while people were concerned about being put into ovens. It can be funny after. It can be funny before. But it's not funny during the debate. Now, I can't believe I am quoting this from NBC. But a drag for performer named Fussy Lomain. <laughs> a given name? I don't think so, but maybe. Okay. I'm not in with the Lomain family. So uh, Fussy Lomain says it's really scary to us. Uh, it doesn't represent everyone. It represents that individual. I thought it was a dumb idea, and I started chanting on top of it with alter alternative verses. Fussy Lomain, as if that is their real name, um, is right. And more people should have felt that way. Organizer of this year's drag march known as... Oh God. This is a serious news article. <laughs> An organizer for this year's drag march known as Huckle Fairy Ken. Given name. Who also, perf hmm? who also performs in drag is as Sister Lottie Da. Given declined name. an interview request. <laughs> yes. Uh, that Well, she's a sister, so it's, it was a chosen name. You okay. get to <laughs> choose it when you take your vows. Oh, okay. Um, she was uh, citing fears of... Uh, for his safety in light of the backlash of the video clip. But he said in an email that coming for your children chant was a bad joke that is being used uh, to serve the interest. Listen to this to serve the interests of parasitic predatory political propaganda and policy. So the, she, they are mad because i don't know which i'm not sure which way we're going here but so they are mad that this this chant of theirs is being misused it's not no, that they shouldn't I think be the saying opposite it. well no wait a minute i was going to say it was the opposite but bad joke that is being used to serve the interest of the parasitic parasitic it wouldn't you wouldn't call you call a parasite something that goes into a movement and eats it and becomes its, you know, destroys the host. I th well, I so think the bad joke is coming from within. Possibly. I thought I took that as they're saying basically conservatives are using this bad joke, which is just a joke, to destroy the LGBT movement from within. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that would, then that would be a very uh, unlightened point of view from sister Lottie Da. Which is, uh, it's so... 
it'd be so out of character for Sister Lottie Dodd to, to have such a basic understanding of this and really done no deep thought. You think when you come to Sister Lottie Dodd, you're going to get somebody who's really put a lot of time and thought into each statement made. And this sure. is totally like, sure. I don't think it's nearly as in-depth as Sister Lottie Dodd's thesis on this topic that you can, of course, read online, I'm sure. Uh, very, very well, intricate. I think under the nom de plume of Sister Lottie Dodd, you'd have to look it up under uh, Huckle Fairy Ken. Yeah, that's the... I think. Uncle Fairy Ken is obviously, uh, you know, a well-known so there you figure. Go. There's uh, more on this in just a second. Mm-hmm. First, let me tell you about Relief Factor. If you're living with pain in your life, I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly what you're going through every moment uh, of every day, but I can tell you I've had pain before, really bad pain, uh, and it's probably nothing like yours, but getting up every day, oof. Every day I would get up and I would just be like, I've got to go back to bed. I hurt so bad. How long is it going to be before I can lay down again? It was horrible. I hated it. I am not that way anymore. And in large part because I have it here to take it for this morning. uh, Relief factor. Relief factor. Uh, I take these uh, three times a day. When things get really bad, I take them three times a day. And... uh, they stop my pain. They stop the inflammation. It is really a godsend. At least it has been to me. And 70% of the people who try it for three weeks just as a trial go on to order more month after month. Just see if that's you. The three-week quick start 1995 trial pack, not a drug, developed by doctors to not whack you out. It's all natural. It's uh, relieffactor.com. Call 1-800-THE-NUMBER-4-RELIEF. 1-800-THE-NUMBER-4-RELIEF or Relief Factor. Dot com. Ten seconds. Station ID. Oh, yeah, dog. Welcome to it. Uh, Glenn, are you familiar with the latest uh, front in the LGBTQQIA2 plus rights movement? No, I'm not sure about the new front on the uh, LGBTQIA2+. So this is going to seem, I think, almost quaint in comparison to we're coming for your children Uh at a parade. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's an interesting uh, thing. Basically, the ramifications of these giant changes in society are far-reaching, Right. You have mm-hmm. a change like, mm-hmm. for example, gay marriage, which, you know, is mm-hmm. now supported by the majority of Americans. And But sure, what, sure. what does that mean down the line? The latest thing is if you, let's say, are a straight couple, man and a woman, and you uh, try to conceive children and you are unable to do so, you go to a fertility expert uh, and perhaps they come up with some way, I don't know, you know, test tubes and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, right. magic you dust or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Whatever it is. Like happy. And they figure right. out a way, hopefully, for you to conceive. They have all sorts of uh, treatments mm-hmm. and everyone knows about that. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's how that works. Well, the new front mm-hmm. on this is lesbian and gay couples who are saying, well, we can't conceive either. So we go to our doctors and ask our health insurance to cover treatments so that we can and they say no well that's unfair why don't we get equal rights because i can tell you why (laughs) 
I, I can tell you why from yeah. the insurance point of view. Yeah. I can tell you why. Uh-huh. It's not a risk. That's a guarantee. Uh, uh, insurance mm-hmm. is all about gambling. Right. Okay. They put a, they put a price on it, uh, hoping that you're not going to get catastrophically sick. When the more data they have and go, okay, you got a long history of being really, really ill. So we're going to make you pay more mm-hmm. because we're taking the risk. There is no risk. If you're married and you're same sex couple or whatever it is, and you want a child, there is no risk. The risk of you getting pregnant is zero. Zero. Hmm. So what is the insurance supposed to do? You know, you want me to cover that? If you get married and, uh, uh, and you want me to cover that, okay, I'm just going to look at the price of what it will take to find a baby for you and stuff it in your belly or whatever it is we're going to do. And I'm just going to write that and you're just going to pay that uh, as a monthly figure broken up over two years. That, that, and that would be the right thing to do for the insurance company. Hmm. Yeah, because I think zero. Yeah, because that's the thing. You looked at it from the insurance uh, company's perspective, and I think that's true. Because one of the things that they do, like health insurance, is designed to say your body's supposed to work in this way. It is not working in this Mm -hmm. way right now. We need to give you treatment, and your insurance will cover that to try to make your body work the way it's supposed to. Well, these couples, the lesbian and gay couples, their bodies are working the way they're supposed to. They're working perfectly. They're not designed... Mm -hmm. When these two people come mm-hmm. together to produce a child, that's how the body's supposed to work. The problem is, mm-hmm. you think our society is going to go forward admitting that? Are they? Is this a country that you're confident will actually admit that two women cannot have a child together, or two men cannot have a child together? We're sitting here currently saying that men can get pregnant. There's no way our society holds the line on that. They well, are, they've already said well, that minute, Disney minute, provides minute, this minute, treatment already, uh, by the way. Just are you denying that pigs have wings and wishes are horses <laughs> and the moon yes. is not made of Stilton? Yes, that is exactly <laughs> what I'm admitting. Uh, wow. There's no Stilton. That's that's <laughs> And like, that's okay. You know, that's just how. But like, if you want to go through that process, that's something you're going to have to pony up and pay for in my world. In in this world, though, are you telling me that this country is not going to come together and force every single insurance company in America, because of fairness, to provide well, this? You know what? They, all that will do is drive everybody's insurance uh, through the roof, mm-hmm. and because somebody's going to have to pay for it, and so we'll spread out the non-risk risk, and uh, everybody will pay for it. And uh, won't that be great? That'll be socialism. Seems to be. You might as well have the way if we continue to force the insurance companies to take risks that they don't want to take, then you might as well just go to socialism and then everybody's going to have crappy health care. I mean, I know some people have really crappy health care and I'm sorry. And I would like to I'd like to free the insurance companies up from, you know, maybe even being uh, cross state. If you can go cross state lines and, ins- and insure people, well, guess what? You'd have a bigger base. You'd be able to make your prices go down. Uh, but they won't even consider that. And all the government is doing is forcing people uh, to uh, lose more and more money. I don't like greedy insurance companies, but I do like 
insurance when it's run properly. And if you don't like the the bet and bet that you're not going to turn out this way or that way, you want a guaranteed outcome, well, then you're just going to have to pay the full price. That's the way it is. Back in just a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. There is going to come a day, hopefully not that far in the future, where the people of the future will look back and be appalled at the freest country in the world that killed millions, tens of millions of their own unborn children. It is our job as people who live at this time to try to bring that day as fast as possible. Every day, the Ministry of Preborn stands up to fight against abortion by providing expecting mothers with free ultrasounds and postnatal care for up to two years. Preborn is saving 200 lives a day. That's 200 babies who are going to go on and live their lives and become members of society. You can be a part of this miracle. Would you consider donating anything but in honor of the 64 million uh, babies that have been lost? Would you consider donating $64 to honor the precious lives lost to keep the lives of those safe from this risk? Say the keyword baby at pound 250. Just dial pound 250 keyword baby or preborn.com slash back. Sponsored by Preborn. Okay, I, uh, I toured the Smithsonian a couple of months ago back in Washington, D.C. And coming here and seeing this display gives you a totally different perspective of what American history was. You get more of the true history here. I did not know that Teddy Roosevelt had been shot. I had no idea that he had ever been shot. And so to see the letter with the bullet holes in it and everything, amazing. I had no idea of that history. I think it was pretty cool being Native American from Chico, California, that they, George Washington gave a medal to a Native American. And like, I would have never thought that. In fact, I hated America, didn't pledge. I would stand, but never said it, never put my heart on my chest because I had believed that uh, the government, which some, everybody, you know, people are people, um, destroyed Indians, you know, and they did. It, but at the same time, there was Indians, the code talkers, you know, that that were there and you know as i learn more and more history it's kind of cool to be like all right there's some there's some people who are fighting for um native americans you know black people chinese people japanese people all the people that come to america to be an american and to live for freedom fight for freedom so yeah george washington giving a medal to native american was awesome i think i feel I feel inspired, empowered, really, you know, uh, kind of a sense of needing to, to speak out and to stand for, for freedom and, and kind of figure out what my part is in all of this and, and, and go do it, go, go to work, go, go, to, go to battle, really. Uh, like I said, we, we don't know if we're going to win or not or what the outcome's going to be, but it's, it's our duty to, to do something, right? Not to stand on the sidelines, but to, um, you know, to be a active participant in our in our history and and in, in what we in, in our community 
it is really, truly amazing. We're here in St. George, um, and we're doing uh, the History Museum, taking it on road to make sure that your kids know the truth this Independence Day about American history. Hopefully, um, we are going to be um, putting it on the road all across America. We'd love to know if you wanted it in your community and um, but it is uh, something that I think at this point in our history, we have to decide. And I'm hearing this a lot. People are saying something hit them, you know, and it's, it's weird because it's a different section for everyone. I think when people see the first draft of the Declaration of Independence and then the final draft of the stone copy of it from 1823, um, we've had several people tear up uh, at that. The Black Founders section is remarkable. Slavery is very, very powerful. Abraham Lincoln, the Gettysburg Address, all of these things that you may never have seen before or didn't even know existed uh, are here. And it is, um, it's a wonderful experience. I'm going to be there all day today. They don't let me in, but I'm going to sneak in. I've got, oh, I've got plans. Oh, I have plans. Uh, so I will be there uh, today and invite you. I think they sell some walk-up tickets. They're letting more people in. We have more capacity than we thought. We wanted to make sure that it wasn't too crowded, uh, and uh, it's not. So I don't know. There, You might get here, and you may have to wait an hour or something to get in, um, but it's uh, filling it now to capacity, uh, larger capacity than we, we thought we could uh, hold. You can get your tickets also on unitedwepledge.org. Do you think you have enough so. stuff yet? Let me rephrase that. Uh, are you still married? Is your wife uh, <laughs> just, just said, you I would saw believe the stuff? How many Tanya is here, and she's been walking around in the museum, and some people recognize her, and they are all like, don't hate him. Don't hate him. I would if I were you, but don't hate him. Yeah. This hey, is what do you mean you would? What was... I mean, first of all, there's a hundred reasons why they would, but the, I think the main one they're talking about there is the, uh, the purchase of all these uh, historical documents and uh, items, mm-hmm. which are great if you are going to a museum. Like, if you happen to be going to the museum, it's a it's a it's a great thing that you've purchased all of this uh, stuff to preserve. <laughs> if you happen if to you're be the married wife, to the guy yeah. who's who's hemorrhaging every cent out of your bank account to purchase it. It's not as fun, I would imagine. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. this is why yeah, well, she's like, you know what? On, let's concentrate get, on the get, positive. <laughs> get into the room and start painting, big boy. Okay? Keep yeah, keep your yeah. painting going because that seems to be the only you know, thing, honestly, thing purchasing all of this. That is, I mean, I do, I paint for two reasons. One, because it lets me escape into another world for a few hours, uh, you know, every day or every other day. Uh, and uh, And the other is because... I got to sell something to, I mean, we're going to be living, I swear to you, if you listen to my wife, we're going to be living under a bridge (laughs) with uh, George Washington's compass and Abraham Lincoln's, you know, clothing from the day that he died. She's like, Mm -hmm. we'll have that in our shopping cart, but we got that going for us because that's all we'll have going for us. That's her, that's, that's her version. Yeah. I, my version is please come by my art. 
Right. Please come buy my art. Uh, glenbeckart.com, I believe it is, by the way. And yes, a lot of it is very yeah. expensive. It, this is stuff that actually is in galleries. And I've made fun of Glenn for this in the past because when he started actually, painting, I'm, he sucked really badly. And now he's somehow I have actually international good collectors. Collectors, international collectors. Mm. I, I, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I would say this. Yeah. I think the normal reaction to someone who hears this, that your art is hanging in a gallery, is like, how does this Hunter Biden-like scam work? Right? And I think that's a normal <laughs> question. There's a massive no, it would difference. Be, I would ask that. Yeah. That's a I, massive in fact, difference, I have I asked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just not in apparently on the scam because I've asked that. How is this... Not the same as under Biden, because that's crap. And uh, I mean, but people, I, I think Biden's much better than Hunter Biden, quite honestly. But well, uh, yes. you can see all of the art. We have uh, G. Clay's and we have posters of it and T-shirts of it and the originals. So bring your checkbook if you happen to be rich. Bring right. your checkbook, because uh, we're going to milk you for every <laughs> cent you have. And if you're Just not saying, rich, we're trying to put this thing on the road, right? You can do the you could do the posters, which are very nice and, and reasonably priced. Although I will say, yeah. um, if you think of the difference, essentially, like Hunter Biden's scam uh, was like he comes out with art, and then that fuels a bunch of coke filled, you know, hooker, uh, you know wasted yeah. weekends, where yours goes to like George Washington's handkerchief, like that. Yeah. Like there's some. <laughs> Some it's yeah. a, it's sort of well, the same thing, thing, except less cocaine and more really nerdy documents. There is something coming up for sale on July 7th. I'm just saying I haven't talked to my wife about it yet, <laughs> but I will. If I sell some of this art as I am, I, it is it's like it's a very important, important piece. I don't even want to tell you what it is. Um, I'll tell you when I get it or if I don't get it, what it was. It's really important. And uh, that's what all of the money goes for. So, you know what the number one bestseller is here? What's the best-selling item we have? No, what? Dark Future. It's the new book, ah. and it's out in two weeks. You can get it now, signed or unsigned, uh, right here. Yeah. Right here, really big shoe. And it's better to get it unsigned because it's actually uh, worth more. Can I, can I tell you something? I have seen <laughs> I have seen them old books on eBay and a non-signed book will be, you know, I don't know, eight bucks. A signed book I've seen for sale for two. <laughs> this one's been defaced. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. And it is American financing. Let me ask you, um, where are you now in terms of debt? You don't have to answer out loud, but you do have to think about it for a second. And I'm sorry to make you think about it. You, if you have long-term debt in the form of credit cards, um, that's a real problem. And I understand if everybody is racking up their credit cards, I get it. I mean, it, it is hard to survive right now. Government's not helping. The Fed's not helping. There is a bank out there that can help you. It's American Financing. American Financing works with the banks, but they are not part of the bank. Um, they're actually on your side. They're more of a broker, and they'll, they'll look for the right loan for you that fits your budget and fits the needs of your family. So if you're going to buy a new home, uh, buying homes 
appears to be up again. Um, but if you're buying a new home or if you have this high interest credit card debt, please consider AmericanFinancing.net. Right now, just on recall uh, or um, consolidation of your credit card loans, they're saving people up to $700 a month. That's the average, $700 a month. And they pay that debt off. You go from a 20% interest rate on your credit cards to about a 5 or 6% interest rate. That's the way to save money. 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. It's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing. NMLS 182334. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, in case you didn't know, the things you do with your money matter. You can often affect change in this country with your wallet as much as you can with your vote. We've certainly seen that over the past few months. One way of doing this is by buying things that are made in America. And I mean, really made in America? Because a lot of things say they're made in America, but surprise, surprise, they're not. They're not telling the truth. Um, It's hard to know, honestly, at times, who to trust. But I can tell you at least one place that you can trust, and that's American Giant. Uh, When you buy from American Giant, you get your clothing there, uh, you know you are getting true American quality, a product with merit made by people in this country for a fair wage. Every stitch of thread, every metal rivet, every drop of ink is made and assembled here. Uh, I mean, I'm wearing one of the sweatshirts right now. I love I love the American Giant stuff. And I, I honestly go in to get dressed and I'm just like, I just want to wear that again. I, I need to get more of it because I, I, I can't rotate it out fast enough. It's really comfortable and it lasts forever. You can tell the quality. My wife, who actually knows something about clothing, loves their stuff. She got leggings from American Giant and they're her favorite pair immediately. Uh, the American Giant patch is sewn on because it means something. It means a company that actually likes the country you live in. Isn't that a wild concept? Go to American-Giant.com slash Glenn. American-Giant.com slash G-L-E-N-N. Go there now. American-Giant.com slash Glenn. Well, last year at this time, we were still recovering from uh, the um, Roe versus Wade decision being um, released and overturned. And I believe it was at about this time that we had uh, some of our Supreme Court justices, uh, you know, under attack. But good thing nobody went to jail for that. Um, Stu. We have how many cases? Ten cases remaining for them to release? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it's less than that. I think it, I have it as four is what the story that okay. I was reading. Um, and and one we, of the, we still go ahead. Go ahead. We still have the Joe uh, Joe Biden uh, loan forgiveness to come through, and quite a few others. Yeah, that's the. I mean, there's a couple big ones. Uh, the loan forgiveness one to me is the biggest one because it would basically be overturning our entire republic if they were to allow this to happen i mean it's almost that critical that they shoot this down it's the most obvious thing in the world even people on the left even joe biden's own administration uh, people like nancy pelosi have said this uh even you're talking about um over basically saying congress has no power in the this the president has the power to throw around hundreds of billions of dollars without even asking Congress. I mean, that is a 
right. legitimately, it's it's hard to overstate what that would mean to our country if this can. It's go a forward. rewriting of of the Constitution. Yep. It makes Congress completely irrelevant. Yeah. And it, like if you think about like Roe versus Wade initially, like here they kind of dug out a right that didn't exist with some weird justification. That's not this. Mm-hmm. This is taking what everyone knows is in the Constitution and completely reversing it, reversing our entire structure of government. I mean, it, it is and everyone knows this. Joe Biden knows this. They know they can't do this. Their plan was essentially throw it out there. Maybe the court won't pick it up. Maybe we'll get lucky. And they'll let us do it. And if the Supreme Court overturns it, we'll just complain about the court, right? Like, we know we can't really do this, but we'll have an out and we'll say these darn Supreme Court justices, oh, they stopped us from giving you all these free loans. Come vote for us. Like, that's the strategy here. They never thought they would get this through the Supreme Court. I don't think they will. Uh, But if that were to go the wrong way, I think that would be massively uh, problematic. You also have the... It would uh, be bad. We mm -hmm. We would be a dictator state that would be run by an administrator and that's Woodrow Wilson's literally his dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would fundamentally change the United States. Yes, 100 uh, percent. There's the affirmative action one for colleges, the, both public and private, where you know, can, basically can you discriminate against Asians because they're really smart? It's that it's that case. They're like, hey, that's Asians really do well bad. in these tests. We should be able really to tell bad. that they can't come to college. Right. Which is incredible. Uh, there's uh, another First Amendment um, site, you know, someone uh, someone that runs a web design company who uh, didn't want to do a gay marriage uh, website. Another one of these types of cases uh, that's in there. There is um, a, a postal worker who said they didn't want to work on Sundays for religious reasons. Um, and there's also there's also a religious thing, religious rights and compelled speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Supreme Court. You know, this is the web designer that, you know, yeah. that guy uh, is, is again, the cake decorator. It's the cake thing. decorator Once type again. of case again, which should not right. be controversial in this country. Uh, it's, no. it's incredible that it is. Um, we should also mention the one that came down uh, yesterday, which was this federal uh, elections uh, situation um, where you have a, a situation where basically like the idea was, can le- this legislative supremacy idea where can a can state legislature basically um, overturn, you know, it doesn't have more power than essentially the courts do and everything else to make election law. And it's sort of in the Constitution that way without qualifiers, though also there's other things that, you know, you, checks and balances exist. And so this went back and forth. It was a 6-3 decision um, where... Um, Amy Coney Barrett, John Roberts, and Brett Kavanaugh all went with the liberal block. The conservative block, Gorsuch, Alito, and Thomas wrote a dissent. But if you look at the dissent, it's really um, more about whether the point was moot at this point because the specific case they're talking about has already been dealt with. Long, boring story. But what's interesting to me about it is for months, the left-wing press told us how horrible the Supreme Court was and how they were going to rule in favor of these state legislatures so that they could just overturn elections on a whim. They told us our democracy was upside down. This court, we have to pack the court because they're going to rule that, you know, conservative states can just overturn the presidential election on a whim whenever they want and cannot be any, there would be no checks and balances. And then when it came down to it, after months and months and months of them crying, like, you know, again, the handmaid's tale is coming. Courts. This they had to raise goes, money. Yeah, the court goes the opposite way, and there's not one bit 
of self-reflection. Not one bit of, why did we write 500 stories telling the American people that the country was going to end because they were going to go down this road? We were totally wrong for months and months and months and months telling the American people this. And now that the other side has happened, and this court just said, actually, no, you can't just do that. This wouldn't make any sense, which I think is probably the right ruling in this particular case. Um, Though I, you know, I, I... Clarence Thomas, I think, is right that maybe it shouldn't have been ruled on at all. But the bottom line here is that they were wrong this whole time. They were totally um, hyping up an issue that did not exist. And then right. there's no apologies but, at the end of it. There never is, Glenn. No, because th- their mission was not that. It was to sow doubt and chaos. Most people will never know that the Glenn what they said program. was wrong. All right, let me tell you about uh, Sweat Block. I got to tell you, um, it is supposed to be super, super hot here in uh, St. George. No. Texas is hot. Texas is... Your blood shoots out of your eyes every time you walk outside. It is so hot and humid there. Here, I uh, don't need Sweat Block quite as much as I do in, uh, in, in Dallas. I'd like, to, I'd like to take a bath in Sweat Block when I'm in Dallas. Um, thankfully, uh, I don't have to sweat block will make sure that you are not sweating all the time. Uh, you're not, you're not embarrassing yourself, et cetera, et cetera. It's completely different. These are, uh, uh, things that you just put underneath your arm once a week. You just kind of wipe underneath your arm once a week and it lasts five, six, seven days. Uh, and it's, it's really, really good. Sweat Block, you can find it at Amazon or wherever you buy uh, your uh, products online. Sweatblock.com. Use the promo code BECK. If you go there, you'll save 20%. Sweatblock.com. You know, today is a great day to get a warranty. Actually, any day is a great day when you're not worrying about your appliances and home systems. That's what you get with an American Home Shield warranty. All the unexpected breakdowns like a leaky faucet or faulty water heater, they're not going to break the bank because covered repairs and replacements are all taken care of. Having reassurance is something to celebrate. Choose the plan that works for you and your budget. When a covered item in your home breaks, all you do is contact American Home Shield. Their trusted, qualified pros will fix or replace it based on the coverage limits in your agreement. When it comes to protecting your appliances and home systems, don't worry. Be warranty. Go to ahs.com slash Beck and save 20%. That's ahs.com slash Beck and get 20% off any plan. See ahs.com slash contracts for coverage details, including limit amounts, fees, limitations, and exclusions. New Jersey residents, the product being offered is a service contract and is separate and distinct from any product or service warranty which may be provided by the home builder or manufacturer. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. 
Okay, well, there's a new whoops, uh, WhatsApp memo out. Um, you remember the one with uh, Hunter Biden saying, I'm sitting here next to my dad and he's really upset. He's going to sock you in the nose. Uh, well, there's another one that just came out. Wait until you hear this one. It couldn't get more obvious. We begin in 60 seconds. If you are excited about new technologies, I am. Uh, however, technology isn't bad. It isn't good. It's what we make of it. Uh, unfortunately, cyber criminals are uh, making giant keys uh, for all of your locked up stuff, uh, whether that is physical or uh, you know, digital AI assistants now are being used to create authentic sounding messages and contents used in phishing campaigns. Just another way to get the robots to participate in the fun of harming people. Don't you love it when we train robots, these things, uh, your security from people who want to rob you is more important online than you think it is. Everything that we do, we do basically online. Don't wait for somebody to steal your personal information. Be protected uh, Be protected uh, by going to lifelock.com. Use the promo code BECK and save, I think it's 20%, lifelock.com. The best in the business at protecting what's yours. Lifelock.com, promo code BECK. All right, Stu, I mean, we already have the smoking gun. I think we're about to put the body, the blood, the splatters on the wall, and the chalk outline out. And it seems like mainstream media is like, what murder? Is what that, are you talking about? Is that about? enough? Is that really <laughs> enough? We Sure, we have the whole thing on video, but really, is that enough? That is, I will say there has been at least a couple uh, at mainstream sources that have actually pursued this. I mean, CBS News did a piece on it yesterday. Surprisingly, the you know, Corinne Jean Pierre wow. went through only, a five if only minute. Anyone watched CBS News? <laughs> That's true. That would be really good. Uh, Corinne Jean Pierre had a really, I would say, tough press conference where, I mean, for five straight minutes, White House reporters came after her asking questions about this, and of course, she just bumbled her way through it because she's terrible at her job. But it was interesting to see, even see her have to go through that exercise. So I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this before. Every once in a while, one of these things breaks through. And a lot of times it has to do with people doing something super selfish. It's not ideological. And this, you know, this this seems to be Joe Biden selfishly using the power of his office in a corrupt way to protect his son. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that breaks through. Maybe the the average mainstream reporter looks at this and says, this is going to be a problem later on. We should get him out of here now while Gavin Newsom still has a chance to step in or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here it is. House Republicans yesterday released more WhatsApp messages. Uh, they say they were written by Hunter Biden as he worked on a business deal with a Chinese energy company. In messages from August 2017, the first son pushed that $10 million was needed and it needed to be invested annually into the uh, joint venture with CEFC China Energy. He called uh, a $5 million proposal new to me and not acceptable. $5 million just isn't enough for all the things that Hunter Biden could bring to the table, like drugs. The House Oversight Committee, uh, the Twitter account, said that Hunter was messaging uh, Guang Wen Dong, 
uh, a CEFC China Energy associate who used the nickname Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best part of the story. I don't know if I've ever told you I called uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. He was in uh, the United States and I had to call his uh, hotel room and, and use a code name. And when I saw the code name, I thought it was ridiculous. And uh, so I called the hotel and I said, John Smith, please. And uh, it rang through and hello. And I said, uh, Prime Minister, how are you? And he said, I'm doing fine. And I said, uh, John Smith, really? I, I was hoping for something a little more clever. And he said, in my country, it is very clever. Um, anyway, uh, so I'm sure it wasn't so actually Kevin, John Smith, of course, but yes, uh, no, uh, uh, it, it was actually John Smith. That was his code name at that time. They don't use the same code name, Stu. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't give away. Okay. I'm the one sitting on the Iranian papers. Anyway, <laughs> um, the house oversight committee's Twitter account said that he used the messaging with Kevin, uh, and <laughs> Hunter had said, I'm tired of this, Kevin. I can make $5 million in salary from any law firm in America. If you think it's about money, it's not. Okay, listen to this. If you think it's about money, it's not. The Bidens are the best at doing exactly what the chairman wants from this partnership. Let's not quibble over peanuts. Uh... Which Biden's? Oh, I forgot. He's he's got his sister-in-law, his ex-sister-in-law. She brings a lot to the table too. Uh, and then the brother, who we all know is an expert in. Um, well, anyway, all those Bidens are the best at bringing the chairman what he wants, and it has nothing to do with Joe Biden. This is horrific. Horrific. We all now know this is this is true that Biden is selling his country out for cash. And if if Hunter is right and it's not about cash, what is it? That even sounds worse. What is it? Treason? I'm 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 having a hard time uh, getting my arms around it, but Hunter is going to be deposed tomorrow, and we will give you more on that uh, deposition and the questions that need to be asked uh, coming up, probably on tomorrow's program. I've been thinking about. Go ahead, Stu. I was going to say, do you think that's why we're getting these WhatsApp messages? Like, if the Republicans had these this whole time, I, I'm. A bit perplexed on the timeline here. We're hearing about this after this deal has been cut. Are they just trying to say, hey, don't let this deal go through because we have so much more that, you know, you don't know about yet? Is that the is that the goal here? Why are we hearing about these things now? Because I don't think these have anything to do with uh, the deal. He can make whatever deal, but he didn't make a deal on this, I don't think. I mean, the way I mean, it was covered, cover this. The, pre- the way the press wrote about this was this was designed, this deal was designed to knock out all the criminal questions on Hunter Biden. Like, this is it. This is what they came up with. They looked at everything and this is what they came up with. And mm. it should clear him from all the other stuff. Now, I don't know if legally doesn't you can clear his dad, doesn't clear his dad, doesn't clear his, his uncle either, who is a huge part mm-hmm. of this particularly. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't 
Like, I just, I, I hope that, I mean, I really hope they go in there tomorrow and the judge is like, no, I'm not taking this. I'm not taking this deal. Go back to the drawing board. Because it, it, this, clearly there's more going on here than him not paying his taxes a couple times. This is not a minor thing. And we're talking about influence uh, at the highest levels of our government. And if that if that is just ignored, we, you know, it's going to in, in incentivize people to do more of it. And we still don't know what, what happened here. We don't know if there was policies that were implemented when he became president later on. We don't know what was we don't know what influence this stuff bought, but I doubt it, I doubt it was without a price. You don't spend five million dollars, ten million dollars, a hundred million dollars on something and get nothing back for it. So yesterday on a related note, uh, Hunter Biden settled with his baby mama and baby mama wanted the Biden name. Uh, for one, and she also wanted uh, more cash. Um, I got stuck as I was reading this. I, I I really got stuck on the the Biden name. She felt that that carried weight in society. Not anything good. <laughs> Would you want to strap your child with the name Biden? I wouldn't. Mm. I grew up in an alcoholic family. Both my parents were all screwed up. My mom uh, had a good childhood. My dad had a horrible childhood. Um, he was abused by his father. Um, he ran away from home at 16. He ran to Los Angeles, stayed at the YMCA where he had been repeatedly raped. He only told me this at the end, towards the end of his life. He never told anybody um, in the family ever. None of us knew. Um, and and did everything he could. He was kind of a distant dad because um, he didn't want to be his father. And I understood so much more about my childhood with him just not being around uh, much more after he talked to me about that. But now I can at times be a distant dad because I'm working all the time and it's something that I'm trying to conquer. And abuse has happened in my family with my sisters. And it has been my goal to stop all of the abuse in the family. So somebody's got to stand up for the women in our family. And I, and I've taught my son and my nephews, enough is enough. Stop and protect the women in our family. That's a Herculean thing to try to even take on and change in one generation. Your history really matters to you. Um, and I know one of the things that played into me when I was very young was my mother was an alcoholic and then she killed herself. I'm 14, 15 years old. And I remember in my 20s, uh, feeling like that was inevitable. That's just the way we do things. That's, I mean, it had happened in my family, and it's just the way we do things. The mark that the Bidens are putting on their children and grandchildren forever, it's going to take somebody with real spine, and I don't see anyone in that family with any kind of spine, but to reverse the damage to that family is 
is going to take a hero of epic proportions. And what's crazy is Hunter Biden is in the position to do it. But I don't think he'll ever humble himself enough. I mean, look, at wouldn't you be embarrassed to be in public right now if you were one of them? Wouldn't you almost be afraid to be in public? You'd be like, I sold out my country with my dad and he's president. I would be really ashamed and worried about being in public right now. They're not. They're not. And uh, unfortunately, when it comes to families and repentance and everything else, it takes humility. And if this doesn't humble that family, what will? Back in just a minute, let me tell you about Relief Factor. When you are facing pain every day, uh, don't give up. Don't just walk away. Don't pretend the problem doesn't exist. That's usually what I do when um, I have to talk to my wife because I just bought something else for the museum. That's usually what I do. I, I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, I'm going to talk to her about that tomorrow. Oof. It only makes things worse. When it comes to pain in your life, you can't ignore it. Don't give up. If you've ever had the experience of being in pain all the time and then getting out of pain, it's a miracle. Do yourself a favor and try Relief Factor. Uh, it gave me my life back about five years ago, and it could work for you. The three-week quick start is only $19.95. It's a trial pack. It's not a drug. Developed by doctors, hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and about 70% of them go on to order more. So go to relieffactor.com or call 800, the number 4, relief. 800 for relief Get the 1995 three-week quick start. Right now, relieffactor.com. 10 seconds, station ID, and back. You know, go ahead. Uh, on the Hunter Biden story, I, one of the other parts that I think is really interesting about this baby mama situation is how he is just abandoning this child, right? Like he seems to have no care. He doesn't even want the kid to have his name. What a despicable person this guy is. I mean, forget the drug use and all the other crimes he's committed. This kid now has to live with uh, with the knowledge that his father wanted so little to do with him that he wouldn't even allow the mother to use the last name for the child and i you know i go back to this all the time when it comes to uh, the pro life pro choice argument you know the 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 value of a life is not determined by the circumstances of the conception Right. The fact that he was screwing around with some stripper and had sex with her and, and it resulted in a child does not mean that the life of this child should mean any less. And it certainly shouldn't mean any less to the actual father. It's hard to describe how disgusting this is. The fact that the president of the United States will not even acknowledge his own grandson. I... I it is so over-the-top disgusting, and not one person in the press has pushed the President of the United States to address this issue. This is his grandson. His grandson. And they won't even allow him to use the name? I understand why that's a, that's a proficient political calculation, but it is a disgusting 
a disgusting series of choices for any for a man. I'm sorry, I don't think it is a I don't think it is a political choice anymore. Maybe it used to be. Mm. Maybe just when you know back in the I don't know 40s or whenever, and you had a, a what was called a bastard child, and you didn't want to acknowledge you know something out of wedlock. Now babies are had out of wedlock all the time, usually not by. Um, you know, famous, disgusting animals like uh, Hunter Biden, but uh, it has happened. It just shows he's living the prince life. He's living the life of an old, you know, the a prince of the realm, you know, 500 years ago, where kings would go out and have their mistress and they'd never recognize their baby and it didn't matter at all. This guy is so crass and grotesque that all he wanted was sex that night and that's her fault it's her problem that she has i mean how do they how does the left reconcile this i I, i'm left to the to the conclusion that there there just isn't anybody honest that cares on on the left there's nobody that is like that really cares about women and says no no Women shouldn't be treated like garbage. And I know that his dad is on my side on X, Y, and Z. But this is horrific. They won't do it. And, and they don't do it on a number of things, especially with women. How is it helping women to have men put on a bathing suit, say they're a woman, and then swim and win first place every time? How does that help women? It doesn't where are the ones that actually believe in something? Yeah, no, I mean, that that would be be nice to see. And I, I think, you know, you'd also like to see someone press the president of the United States on these WhatsApp messages. You know, it, okay, we all know that he did talk to his son about his business and he was lying that whole time. But like, there could theoretically be an out where Hunter was using his dad's influence and name to make money and um, uh, the, the president maybe didn't know about it. Or the, the, this is before he was president, but the, maybe he didn't know about it. Like, whatever his excuse would be. But he needs to get on the record with that, if that's true. And he also needs to say, hey, um, you know what? Like, I've been telling everybody that that this wasn't happening. And now these messages are showing that, you know what? The whole time it was happening. I, I Maybe I, he could, this is probably a lie, but he could say, hey, I didn't know about it. I'm very None disappointed in my we, son, we, blah, 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 blah. Okay, we, but he should be on record we, because when we, he's caught, we need to know that he was lying the whole time. Yeah, well, we know he was lying if he ever says that because we know from the State Department that the State Department was concerned about his son attending all these meetings in China, um, in uh, Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera, and warned the president, then Vice President, uh, then uh, Obama, and the Vice President. We have we have it on record that they warned and said this looks very, very bad. He should not be doing these things. So the vice president was informed. He knew. He can't claim that. I, gee, I, he was just on the plane, same plane with me. We booked a ticket at the same time. We just both got on the same plane. It was Air Force Two, dude. Okay, there's no way <laughs> you didn't know. Yeah. Um, and by the way, people are are correcting me that it is is uh, Joe Biden's granddaughter, not not grandson. Now I I don't like the p fact that people are doing that because they're assuming uh, gender there, 
as they yeah. do that. But uh, I was I, upset at you when you said grandson, because how do you know it's a boy that's or true. a girl? We should not assign Very gender at birth, and that's my fault. Uh, but you cisgender people still just really <laughs> make me angry. You really do. By the way, there's a story out from Reuters that is uh, scrutinizing the ancestry of the political elites with ties to slave ownership. It's funny because we did this a long, long time ago, and they didn't seem to care. But now Reuters has published uh, part one of Slavery's Descendants, uh, entitled America's Family Secret, found uh, that two Supreme Court justices, five living presidents, 11 governors, 100 legislators have all descended from ancestors who enslaved black people. Among the living presidents, Donald Trump was the sole outlier, didn't own slaves. That's amazing. Jimmy Carter, George Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden. Having uh, comfortable feet. uh, I doubt there are many people who don't want comfortable feet all day. Ever since I found out about Mike Lindell's amazing my slippers, I, I wear them as much as I can. They're incredibly comfortable. The MyPillow uh, uh, slipper is now having a closeout. When you use my name, promo code BECK, you're going to get the all-season slippers for just $25. It is normally $149.98, which means you're getting over $120 in savings. My slippers have an amazing four-layer design that you're not going to get from any other slipper. Patented layers to ensure extra comfortability and durability, which means you can wear them anytime, anywhere, and your feet are going to feel great. They come in a ton of all new colors, make perfect gifts, 25 bucks. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square. Grab uh, a pair of the all-season slippers right now for $25 at MyPillow.com, promo code BECK or 800-966-3117. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. You just use the promo code Glenn and you'll save 10 bucks off Blaze TV. Live from St. George, Utah, which uh, may I just say from experience this week, bring chapstick. It is so dry here. I, I, I feel like a desert is just going to crack open my face here soon. Um, welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. There's a couple of things that you need to know about. First of all, uh, Donald Trump uh, jacked up the threats um, on Monday and then again yesterday, says he's going to skip at least the first Republican debate because it's Fox News. And uh, I agree with him. Quite honestly, I think these guys should stop doing these debates uh, with the mainstream media. I mean, oh boy, Stu's looking at me skeptically. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, is look, I don't think Fox's news coverage is perfect by any means, but uh, certainly it's more friendly than the mainstream media as a whole. We're just including Fox News and in, in mainstream media now. Is that is that kind of where where you're going with this? Mm. Kind of. Sometimes that feels that way. I don't. I mean, I. I don't think that that's always the I case. I think they're. I think they are way off course from where they used to be. Um, and now I, you know, now it's just I kind of don't trust them. You know, when when Tucker was there, I knew Tucker was fighting and fighting the in, in, uh, the inside and the outside. And now, 
uh, I mean, who do you really trust over there? Brett Bear? I mean, he's a nice guy. I really like him, but really? He is Carl a pretty, Rove? Yeah. I mean, for Carl Rove. Uh, you know, Brett Bear is a, is a straight news journalist, so I think does certainly. I mean, I, you know, maybe not compare him to whatever your ideal Fox is, but like compare him to NBC News coverage. I mean, I take Brett Bear a thousand times in a row. Yeah, I would too. But yeah. you don't have to settle for that now anymore. No. So I mean, what, what's your vision of a too many sources. Who, who's doing this? Oh, I would take I would take uh, the Daily Wire. I would take um, the Blaze. Um, so something uh, who else. I do think that that, and, that what you're talking about here, because you know, obviously, you know, somewhat that's self-serving, right? We <laughs> we work for the Blaze, right? Uh, we you know certainly like the Daily Wire. There's a lot of outlets like that. But I, what I think is yeah, but interesting. I would, take, uh, I would put Glenn Glenn Greenwald and put. I would build a panel. Mm-hmm. Of people that are are going to ask honest questions. Yeah, I, I want honest questions. I don't want gotcha questions. I don't want questions coming from a um, any one point of view. I want people who will ask the honest question. I'll ask tough questions. Tucker would ask tough questions. Glenn sure. Greenwald would ask tough tough questions. Uh, ben Shapiro would. Yeah, and I, look, I, sometimes Fox has done a good job with that in previous uh, debates. Sometimes. But I, I would say, like, one of the things that's most interesting to me about your idea here is that what we get out of mainstream media are questions that would theoretically interest their audience. And often that question is, you know, something like, hey, did you really rape E. Jean Carroll in a, at Bergdorf's in 1985? <laughs> and it's like, all right, like, I get that's what you know, Rachel Maddow's audience probably does want to hear. They, they probably do want to hear about that. But like, I would like to hear like much more, like I would like to hear from Donald Trump. Hey, you know, you're talking a lot about, you know, beating the deep state, right? And and how important that is. One of your main justifications for running. Well, if you're out of office right now, right? And you're saying this election was stolen from you. Why didn't you see any of this coming? Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you do something when you had the power to do it, right? Like, that's yeah, a question that, like, ask. I think that's something that, like, like would be a real question of, like, how he's going to govern. What did he miss? Did he miss something? Did did he just put bad people in control? If so, why? Like, there's a lot of questions there that about Donald Trump's presidency that might be interesting to a conservative trying to decipher between two conservatives, what, what we get from the mainstream so, media is is like uh, uh, this pitch of why Donald Trump is so evil and why you should pick Joe Biden over him. And I, I think there's very little value in a primary for that. So here's what I because I asked Donald Trump that question, and I don't know if it was publicly or privately, but I said, um, deep state, how, how did that how did that happen? And he said, I knew there was powerful forces. He said, I had absolutely no idea how deep it went, but I do now. I mean, I I think that was a reasonable answer. It's a reasonable answer, but I mean, I think it's fair to to worry about that. Oh, I do too. If you're if you're if you're putting oh, someone too. back I, into I, office who missed it last time, like I think that's a that, that's a question uh, and I think the same question to go, and I'm not say, saying this to beat up on Trump. He's just the one that everyone knows their story better. I mean, like you could ask the same question about Ron DeSantis. You know, DeSantis mm-hmm. is coming in. He's never dealt with the Washington people like this. Obviously, he was a congressman. 
But, you know, is he going to be able to perform in this situation? It's a, it's a legitimate question. Ask him about, you know, are you un- a lot of people are uncomfortable with how he's using his power in the state, you know, as uh, it, maybe it's too uh, top down. Right for a conservative audience. Let's go back and forth and hear from another candidate who says, you know what, maybe you're doing too much from the from the, the governor's mansion. I'm not these are just examples. I mean, you're not saying what right or wrong there, but like how do you decipher between two conservatives has nothing to do with whether Donald Trump kept documents. Like I don't care about that. That, that means right. nothing to me as it re, as it regards to going to try to pick somebody in a primary. Well, I have a feeling that the left feels the same way about those uh, documents. You remember, somehow or another, this recording was leaked. Wow. There's so many leaks. None, none, apparently, uh, on the uh, left that we should even either listen to or take credible. But so many leaks on Donald Trump. Uh, the... Uh, the whole leak was him talking about a plan, apparently, uh, with Iran, and he had the document. And those were one of the, you know, they took those documents away from him because he was being irresponsible with them. Well, guess what wasn't with the documents and guess what wasn't even listed uh, when they charged him? That document. So, wait, we're, we've been arguing about... Uh, a conversation he had where he said he was holding up a magazine uh, and they don't even have the document. I mean, I would, I would say highly unlikely if, if he, if they had the document and he had the document, he'd reach over and grab it and say, look at this. But if the document doesn't exist, at least in the file, then you have to go to, he shred it, which is now a conspiracy theorist uh, or, or what? Yeah. Why are we arguing over this? It's stupid. I mean, and I think, too, this is a situation where it's not like we don't have the murder weapon. We don't have the body. <laughs> right? Like, there's, we have no idea if he actually killed someone in this murder case. The, the, the document, if the document doesn't exist, who knows? You know, maybe that's that, again, is your conspiracy theory. You're like, you know, you think maybe he shredded it. But if you don't have any evidence of that, what do you have here? Again, I this story, I think, is just nonsensical it's got nothing to do with the future of the country nothing this is just a sideshow a sideshow yet another attempt to throw donald trump out of office when you what you could do to get him out of office which is just beat him right if you're a democrat and you don't want donald trump to be president then win you don't need to they keep trying to do this by some other means and they you know go down these roads do the american people care if the president who who literally was given this document in office to see it instead of having it in front of him just remembers the details that's what we're talking about he would know about this document anyway he could tell people about it anyway the question is does he have it in his possession or not that's really what we're going to determine the future of this country on it's just stupid uh, by the way, Chip Roy, who we're trying to get on, uh, Chip Roy has come out and uh, said that a number of Republicans don't believe Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas should be impeached over his handling of the border. May I ask, how low is the bar for unemployment uh, or employment at the uh, Biden administration? Because it seems like everyone 
can get keep their job and they're all doing fine. What's her name? The White House press secretary. She's awful. She's awful. She's either reading from a book. Why don't you just just Xerox the book and just hand it to all the reporters? If you're going to read all of the answers, they got them there. They can just flip flip to page nine. That's all she should say. Flip to page nine. Uh, That answer is on page 12. Yeah, I'm not going any further than that. She's awful. Yet everybody seems to love her. Mayorkas. What does the guy have to do? Does Does he have to start... Does he have to start driving drug cartel members across the border and and have them sleep in the White House before we care? What? No way that would be enough to get him out. Uh, he would remain <laughs> no matter what, which is incredible. Uh, by the way, Glenn, uh, one update on the border situation. You know the whole uh, DeSantis flying people into uh, Martha's Vineyard? It was the worst thing any yeah. governor had ever done in history, and we were all yeah, yeah, yeah. told about yeah. all these awful things. Uh, now there's a new story in the New York Times that the people who did stay, which was a small percentage of them, they booted most of them out immediately, but the people who did stay really enjoying Martha's Vineyard. They've built a nice life there, really liking it. They can't believe this it. This is news? This is news? This is news? really nice. It's why all of our presidents yeah. build houses I mean, it's there. really hard. Wow, they just dropped me in, you know, one of the greatest vacation paradises of all time, at least in uh, in America, and uh, hmm, I like it. Yeah. Oh, get that on the front page. That's it's what not doing. a surprise. It's not a surprise. Oh uh, however, it should be a surprise to anyone who reads the New York Times who were told this was the one of the worst things the governor has ever done. And they're, they're making it seem like, oh, well, they put it in the face of Ron DeSantis by enjoying their time in Martha's Vineyard. I don't know. Was DeSantis trying to punish them by pushing, putting them there? He was trying to point out, hey, the burden can't be held by only southern states. And while, you know, these people, of course, are going to enjoy it there. There's no question about it. I, I think this is a great policy no, you for wanna, everybody. Yeah, you want to punish somebody, you clearly send them to Philadelphia or Washington, D.C. Martha's Vineyard is not a punishment. Back in just a second. How'd you like to uh, the chance to win a free trip for you and your family to Boston to visit the historic sites? Learn about uh, our founding fathers firsthand. Here's what it is. Tuttle Twins are on a mission to help families right now learn from history. If we can just understand the stories and the ideas that make America so special and unique, we'll, now, we'll know how important it is to preserve those ideas which are so unique. Most textbooks don't teach these ideas. They teach f- facts of dates and names and places, and that doesn't mean anything. The Tuttle Twins American History Books, they teach the stories. They're really amazing. Kids love them, and they will come away with a real appreciation of the ideas that make America so special. Fourth of July is coming. No better time to teach your kids or your grandkids to love American history. To celebrate the release of their new book, the Tuttle Twins are giving one family a vacation getaway in Boston to visit where our country really began go to i mean we could send you to philadelphia but again that would be a punishment uh tuttletwinsbeck.com tuttletwinsbeck.com go there order the book and get information and the official rules for the vacation getaway you don't have to purchase anything to uh, qualify it's tuttletwinsbeck.com this is the glenn beck program
This is the Glenn Beck program. We're glad that you're here. Thank you so much for listening. I, um, we're here in St. George, uh, where we are putting on the Blueprints of Liberty Museum. It is, um, uh, it's a pretty amazing thing to come and see. And you will learn history that you probably didn't know before, along with all of the facts and documents and everything else. Uh, it is, it's really something great for you and your family to do um, uh, this holiday for Independence Day. I, I, I will tell you that there's one place that we are a little thin, and that is I just purchased a bunch of documents for the museum to preserve them, and they are Werner von Braun documents. Uh, we got some from when he was, you know, a Hitler uh, guy, and then when he was working on the space program. I haven't made up my mind on Werner von Braun. I think he's a bad guy, a really bad guy. Um, but we whitewashed him. Um, but I'm trying to find things like a spacesuit. I can't get one. I can't get anything um, because it's against the law. And I really think that we are coming to a place to where 15 years from now, if we become uh, a secondary or a third kind of nation, third world nation, uh, nobody's going to believe we ever went to the moon. And the more the government discredits itself, the worse that becomes. Um, we were just talking, David is a listener, and he was, he's um, in the studio here, and we were just talking about uh, JFK and you know, things that he knows from you know, friends that were involved with the JFK case. And uh, there's something much more, something deeper than just Oswald. And we know that from the documents that are coming out here in the last year. I would just so love a presidential candidate to say, look, I'm just going to bear it all. Here it is. I mean, you're old enough to deal with it. You, you should see it all and know the good and the bad of what we've done. Because I think we've done a lot of bad. And I'm willing to accept that. Um, especially, you know, if it's 40 years in the past, I'm a little hard to accept it, you know, in the, if you're still in office, I'm having a hard time with that. Um, but we should know all of these things so we can know the good and the bad and decide whether or not it is worth preserving. Uh, and if it is, how do we learn from the bad in the past so we don't do it again? One of the things is stop with all this secrecy. You can't run a country where everything is secret. You can't run a country if people are above the law, if they can skirt around it and do dark ops. It's, that's not the spirit of America. When is that going to end? Perhaps, perhaps it will end uh, not in our demise if the people rise up and begin to speak truth and make sure that the weasels that we elect stop being so easily make sure that you have a very long memory of who's doing what and get the bad ones out yes your congressman your senator not somebody else's yours if they're bad get them out more in a minute the glenn back program in the 1960s 95 percent of the uh, clothing americans bought were made right here in america now 97 percent is made overseas that's a complete reversal on the way things used to be in this country why don't we change that welcome to american giant 
American Giant is all about made in America and American workers and products that they make. It's about good paying jobs that allow people to take pride in their hard work that they do. When they began in 2012, a clothing factory in North Carolina was just going to shut down. They worked with the factory to invest in new machinery and new skill development. And it has changed not just the factory and the people that work there, but the whole community. They make the best hoodie you've ever owned and a lot of other really high quality clothing with cotton that's grown here in America, milled in America, sewn here in America. So go to American-Giant.com, American-Giant.com slash Glenn and save. to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Today, this hour, you're going to learn history that you probably didn't know. And I warn you, it's all backed up with evidence, so there won't be any imagining of anybody's history today. We begin in 60 seconds. You want beef, you want chicken, you want seafood, and you don't want to cost more than, uh, than it already does at the grocery store. The groceries are going up and up and up, and I'm telling you, meat is going to go through the roof. The best thing you could do is go into your grocery store, talk to your butcher, I'm sure he's going to be fine with doing this, and saying, hey, look, I'm going to buy my meat from you, but then you're not going to raise the price on me ever. And he's going to say, oh, sure, sure, absolutely. What do you think I am, Good Ranchers? And that's when you're going to go to GoodRanchers.com slash Glenn. And you're going to get your one stop for quality meat grown by American ranchers. 85% of grass-fed beef is imported for overseas. Did you know that? But not with Good Rancher. All of their meat, their seafood, everything is from America. So go to GoodRanchers.com. Use the promo code BECK. That's GoodRanchers.com. Promo code BECK. You'll save $30 off any box. And you're going to lock in your price. GoodRanchers.com. Promo code BECK. Timothy Barton is uh, with us now from Wall Builders. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm good, Glenn. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you so much for coming to the uh, to Liberty Week here in St. George. Well, love being here. Yeah. You and your dad are across the street now uh, doing another um, American history uh, seminar. Yep. And usually when we do these, and prop, maybe it's because of me because I'm such a loudmouth, they last three days. But this is being done in one day. So actually, we were going to do one-day seminars, and we said there's no way we can squeeze three days into one day. So we're doing a two-day seminar. Oh, so are you? Okay. We found the happy middle ground. Okay. Uh, so you're at, mm, wow, you're at, then today you'd be at my part where it gets really, really dark. 
Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. How are you going to do that? You're so happy. Well, that's the reason I left. It's up to my dad now. I don't yeah. know what he's saying right now. <laughs> I could get back and the whole story's changed. I have no idea. Right. You know, the amazing thing is, and people are seeing this here, backed up by facts. We are a country that is is both Jamestown and uh, Plymouth. Absolutely. And this is a choice. We have this great map that was printed by Congress in 1870. Um, that shows the tree that comes from Jamestown, which is nasty. It's all it ends in treason and murder and death and slavery. And the tree from the pilgrims leads to freedom. Yep. Uh, and people don't understand the difference between those two and that we have to make a choice every day yep. between those two. Yeah, so it, the map specifically, if people are, are want to look it up, it came out in 1888. They look for 1888 map of Jamestown and Plymouth. Uh, they, they can find that map and it shows the legacy. And, and what's great about even the imagery, it came out of the end of Reconstruction. And so as America has gone through the Civil War, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, rights are being restored. At this point, you still have the Union Army in the South enforcing all of those civil rights mm -hmm. before Democrats took over. And, and when President Cleveland comes in and they revoke all of the civil rights laws passed in Reconstruction. But up to this point, they're why showing— did they, Wait, wait. Why did they do that? Why did, why did Cleveland do that? Well, part of what was going on, there was a, a discrepancy in, in the presidency— um, uh, leading up to Democrats getting control of Congress again. And, and part of uh, that, there was not enough electoral votes. And this is before Cleveland. Uh, I, I think it was, was it Hayes? I'd have to look that up. Which yeah, is really I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so overloaded with my Hayes uh, information <laughs> that I can't sort through it fast enough. So. Well, and yeah, we've been studying for a different conversation. And so now right. I'm like, wait a second, which one is this? Uh, but it, you go back that it was a last Republican before Democrats take over. And it, there wasn't enough electoral votes to declare a presidential winner. So it goes to Congress and in Congress, it still wasn't really clear that they're still divided of who's going to be the president. And some of the congressmen from the South said, we will, we will acquiesce. We'll say Republicans, you can have the president. If you remove the union army from the South, because the union army is who was enforcing uh, all of these civil rights laws. And, and not everybody in the South was against some of what was going on, but certainly the political leaders, and there was some absolutely racist embedded thoughts in those political leaders oh, in yeah. many of the Southern states. And so they said, we'll give you the presidency if you remove these, the, the Union Army from our different towns. But mm -hmm. when the Union Army is removed, they begin revoking some of those civil rights laws that were allowing black Americans to vote. Well, once you have removed the ability for black Americans to vote, that there was at that point, a lot of black elected officials in Southern states, all Republicans, mm -hmm. but once Blacks can no longer vote in those states anymore. All of a sudden, Democrats not only come back to power, they have then a super majority coming back with what they're doing. And when they get that power from the South, all of the Southern elected individuals become Democrat again. That's when you begin to see not only Democrats uh, having power in Congress, the, the presidency coming back. That's when you start seeing them go back to some of that racist, uh, racist uh, roots where they're saying, right, Jim Crow. This is when that kind of enters um, and this is part of the legacy of Jamestown and Plymouth. And, and, and even to that map, what's worth noting is when you look at, at where Jamestown and Plymouth are, it shows there are two things uh, that they are rooted in. And in Plymouth, it is built on the Bible. And it's very clearly, there's a book that says oh, yeah. Bible on the side, but Jamestown, it's a coin. We have, hang on just a second. We have downstairs their, uh, uh, their, their letter um, from, uh, uh, or their, their oath that they had to take as a citizen of of plymouth that it's all about god 
Yes. All about God. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, really, when you start looking at the historical documents, there's there's no question at all that these were individuals who were rooted in faith. When even we have the first printing of Governor Bradford's journal, and, and he identified at times they would spend six to eight hours a day studying the Bible, mm-hmm. that this is who they were. And so it shows in the map that is a foundation of Plymouth. And then it shows the tree growing from there and Jamestown. It shows that the foundation of Jamestown is a coin on the side that says Mammon. And what they were pointing out is, is that some of these individuals, where they had gone wrong, the Bible says, tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. And where they went wrong is they cared more about making money than they did about individuals. I think the same thing could be said about Columbus. He's coming over. He's very, very humble. He gets here. He starts to think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be the governor. I can make money. And it goes awry and he's humbled again. I mean, whenever anyone is pursuing, at least on this land, when they are just pursuing money, they're destroyed. Uh, Unquestionably. And I I think this is also part of the dichotomy, even in human history, where even with Jamestown and Plymouth, this is this is not a new thought or idea. Uh, You can go back to the famous novel by Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. Right. This Mm -hmm. was always kind of you have two options and what option you're going to take in America took both options, but it's also worth noting even that, that early 1888 map depicts it very well. The majority of America was far more impacted by Plymouth than they were Jamestown, which one of the things that, that we will illustrate for people when someone says America's evil, we had Jim Crow laws in America. Unquestionably, we had Jim Crow laws in America, but we always ask the question, where do we have Jim Crow laws? Because right now we're sitting in Utah. You know who didn't have Jim Crow laws? Utah. Neither did Colorado, neither did Nebraska, neither. Really, when you start looking at the tree that came from Plymouth and it goes across all of the northern US and spreads into the western US so all of the northern states it, the only the only part that really embraced the Jim Crow laws were the deep democratic south where that racism was embedded in much of their culture so at what point did the clan um because we have some stuff down in the we museum do. that is horrifying yep and um one of them is a little clan card with faces of mostly black but a lot of whites as well that basically is a clan killing card. Correct. They would hand them out and say, if you see these people, kill them or call us. Yeah, it was it was the Republican legislature of South Carolina. And in South Carolina, the Republicans, the one fighting for equal rights, well, that was the Republican Party was the party that all of the former slaves, the black people were joining because that was the party of freedom and equality. Right. And it was because really the first platform, the Republican Party didn't have anything like worse for lower taxes. It was all about anti-slavery, which we also have that. So the first Republican platform came out in 1856 and had nine planks. So nine things of what we fundamentally believe. Well, seven of the nine planks were against slavery. Mm -hmm. So, right. This is where it's not confusing at all. The Republican Party was against slavery, which also leads into when when Lincoln gets elected in 1860 on the Republican platform. The Republican platform is still absolutely anti-slavery. When he gets elected and, and South Carolina was the first state to secede, South Carolina released what was known as a Declaration of Causes. It was like their version of the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. And what they acknowledged is that we know with this new Republican leadership that their goal is to end and emancipate the slaves, end slavery, emancipate the slaves. And we know that slavery is no longer South if we remain in the Union and so they conclude this Declaration of Causes by saying, we invite all other slaveholding states to join us in forming a pro-slavery confederation. This is where, when people even talk about states' rights, we'd encourage people, go back and read why they actually said they're separating. 
because the political leaders did not argue states' rights. Now, we also make the distinction, not everybody in the South was pro-slavery, just like not everybody in the North was anti-slavery. You had people from New York, as a great example, they were very much pro-slavery, but they were pro-union. Whereas the political leaders in the South, they were so pro-slavery, they said, we don't care about the union, we care more about our slaves. And this is where we would tell people, of the 11 states that seceded, five of them released declaration of causes, where they are literally saying why they're seceding. And in every one of their declaration of causes, they're talking about slavery being the primary reason they are seceding. Well, you're also, you if you look at the constitution of the southern states, you can't join the secession unless you agree with slavery will have slavery and agree to expand slavery elsewhere. Correct. I mean, so it's it's pretty darn clear. And what's also worth noting about even the Confederate Constitution, it's almost a verbatim copy of the U.S. Constitution, and then they just added several parts they thought would make it better. And the parts they added were parts to protect and defend and expand slavery as new territories would join. That would be a hard time. Did they adopt the Bill of Rights as well? Because I don't know how you square that. Well, that's actually a super interesting question because in the Confederate Constitution, there is no Bill of Rights. Correct. Which is not. Right, which is super interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I have not looked into the conversations they had about not including the Bill of Rights, but absolutely, that would be an interesting conversation yeah. or interesting research. I want to take you to Lincoln uh, and John Quincy Adams here in just a second. We'll do that in a minute. First, uh, the world of business has gotten harder to exist in because of things like ESG and integrity integrity is way out the window everywhere you look companies are being bullied into thinking wokeism is the only way well is it is that what you want to live in a world where bullies run the world their support of esg scores will and in fact are taking over if you need uh to do business please find out more about esg and if you treasure the businesses uh, that uh, you are with, make sure they're standing for the same values you believe in and then support them. One of those companies is Patriot Mobile. It's America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer dependable nationwide coverage on all three networks so you get the very best possible service in your area without any of the woke politics. And when you switch, you're sending a message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, our military, veterans, first responder heroes, and great and inexpensive service without any gimmicks. So you can keep your phone. You can keep your phone number. You just switch now. They'll make it really easy for you. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Or you can call 87, let's see, 878-PATRIOT. 878-PATRIOT. 10 seconds, station ID. I'm really going to push you and see how much you know. See how, see how much you've listened to your dad. And I'm not done. nervous at all. Yeah, I know you're not. Uh, Maybe a little bit. I think that's a slam against me. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, tell me about the role of not the but the other Adams family. <laughs> the original. Uh, the original Adams family and Lincoln. The connection all the way through. This is fascinating. So, I mean, really, the John Quincy Adams story is, is what we're alluding to. It's worth backing up. John Adams is one of the founding fathers who never owned slaves and fought against slavery his whole life. Hated it. 
So John Quincy Adams grows up in this. When John Quincy Adams is eight years old, he, he's at the Battle of Bunker Hill. He and his mom are watching off in the distance. They watch uh, one of their friends, family doctor, Dr. Joseph Warren. He is killed. The most famous painting at the Battle of Bunker Hill is known as the, the murder of Dr. Warren. It shows him in the very front. He's the one being bayoneted. That's the one that has Peter Salem off on the side acknowledging this black hero from the Battle of Bunker Hill. Mm-hmm. John Quincy Adams grows up in that. When he's 11 years old, he receives a congressional appointment to go with his father over to Paris. He's the official secretary to America's diplomat, who was his father. When how old uh, is he then? That's, that's when he's 11. 11, and he's the official secretary. Correct. When he's 14, he received a second congressional appointment, this time before the throne of Catherine the Great in Russia. Oh and this gosh. time he was the interpreter for the delegation. Think about just, just think about this. Think how little we must think of our children when these kids, you know, George Washington at 13, 14 years old, he's surveying, making maps all by himself in Virginia. I mean, these these guys are amazing. They just don't expect it. So, so 14, he's the official interpreter. He's already fluent in six languages, one of them being Russian, which is why he's chosen to go. So, so he grows up doing a lot of this stuff. When George Washington became president, George Washington chose John Quincy Adams to be America's top ambassador. Uh, when John Adams becomes president, John Quincy Adams is again America's top ambassador. When Thomas Jefferson becomes president, because of the drama between Jefferson and Adams, yeah. uh, Jefferson does not ask him to remain, <laughs> but he is elected to be a U.S. senator. When uh, Madison becomes president, John Quincy Adams is elected uh, or is chosen again to be America's top diplomat. John Quincy Adams is the one that negotiates the end of the War of 1812. Under Monroe, he's elected Secretary of State. He then became the sixth president. Uh, at the end of his presidency, he knew there was more to his life. He knew he wasn't done. Stop. How much of that did you know about John Quincy Adams? I know we all grow up knowing John Quincy Adams is the son of John Adams. Move on. Think about what you've missed, just not knowing that amount of history. But wait, it gets really good. I really think John Quincy Adams is probably the most impressive president when it comes to resumes, Mm. just genuinely. So after being president... He feels like his life still still has purpose and meaning. He he ends up running for Congress, and the reason was he said there's a great enmity, or excuse me, a great evil that is yet to be remedied, and it was the evil of slavery. He became the leader of the anti-slavery movement in Congress. While he's there, he fights for 17 years against slavery. At the time, he said that Congress was nearly 80 percent of Congress was either in favor of or like totally fine with slavery, just status quo, leave it as it is. So he knew he had a major uphill battle. Okay, as, hang on just a second. But it was kind of like it is now with the budget, right? People will say if they're in the right, you know, in the in a district that happens to agree, they'll say, oh, I am so against it. But they all do it. That was and that's what his number was reflecting, because there were more congressmen than that that would have said, oh, slavery is wrong. And then he got there and he's like, these people aren't really against slavery, right. which is where he came up with a number. Nearly 80 percent was fine with it. They, they weren't actually fighting against this. He became the leader of the anti-slavery movement. Uh, and Congress, new congressmen are elected every two years. His last term in John Quincy Adams, last term in Congress, one of the freshmen that was elected, came and joins the anti-slavery movement. John Quincy Adams is doing these impassioned floor speeches every single week against slavery. Uh, and at this point, they've actually passed new uh, new laws, or I guess it's, it's a House rule. They went to the House Rules Committee. They passed a new rule uh, that was known as the John Quincy Adams gag order. It was literally to stop this guy from talking against slavery. The rule mm-hmm. was that you can't talk about any issue that's already been resolved, especially if it's about slavery, right? They're like, just, <laughs> it was, dude, you It was you're the done. Quincy Adams rule, it, kind it, of. Totally. Well, he... He was able to fight long enough that got revoked. But like this is this is what John Quincy Adams has dealt with. 
So this young freshman joins the anti-slavery movement, John Quincy Adams, just again, every week making these impassioned pleas, we have to end slavery, it's evil. John Quincy Adams gets up one day, they thought he was gonna make a speech, he had a stroke, he clutched his chest, fell over his desk, Mm. he ends up dying in the Capitol building. When he dies, uh, the anti-slavery movement is incredibly strong in this moment. We like He has led this. There's a lot of people ready to step up and mm-hmm. this freshman congressman decides he's gonna, he's gonna carry on the torch. He runs for re-election. And of course, if people have heard this, they know the story, right? He runs for re-election, he loses, he runs for re-election, loses, runs for Senate, loses, runs for state office, loses. And this person didn't win another election until he became president, Abraham Lincoln. And everything that Lincoln did to fight against slavery is what he had learned under John Quincy Adams in the anti-slavery movement of Congress. Now, here's the question, because Lincoln at first says, I can't do anything. I'm I'm a president. I I don't have the power to end slavery. Um, And so he concentrates on the saving of the republic. And people dismiss that as, see, he didn't really care about slaves. Mm -hmm. Which is, is, is what they say, because he gave a speech where he said, if I could, if I could end slavery today and, and preserve the union, I would. If I, if I could keep slavery and preserve the union, I would, because preserving the union is the most important thing. And that's what people discount him saying, see, he wasn't really anti-slavery. That's not correct at all. He actually was a state legislature in uh, Illinois before he became a congressman. And, and he was actually recruited by the Lovejoys in Illinois, who were the leaders of the anti-slavery movement of Illinois. And they recruited Lincoln to run in state house as an anti-slavery state legislator. So he, Lincoln already has a track record of this. He has a track record of being mentored to some extent by John Quincy Adams in Congress. And then he runs on the Republican platform, which that platform is explicitly anti-slavery. What's also a fun tidbit is in the U.S. Constitution, it says that no states can form any confederation or make their own treaties, et cetera, has to go through Congress. So when the Southern states begin to secede and form their own confederation, that is literally a violation of the Constitution, which then gives the president the power to step in and put a stop to it, which leads to the Emancipation Proclamation. What's really amazing is in the museum where we're at the Emancipation Proclamation, we have a letter that was written hastily by Lincoln and sent to the Senate and says, stop what you're doing. It's not going to work. I have a different idea. Give me some time. I'm uh, I'm going to go there with Tim Barton live from the the Blueprints of Liberty Museum in St. George, Utah. First, I want to talk to you a little bit about Goldline. Goldline is the hedge against insanity. People say hedge against gold is a hedge against uh, inflation. We're way beyond inflation. We are in the place where, admit it, the entire world has gone insane. Don't think so? Look around you. Do you recognize your country? Now, If this continues, and I believe it will, um, you're going to see a collapse of the dollar. And when that happens, we become Venezuela. I'm not exaggerating. We become Venezuela. When that happens, we're all going to be struggling for anything we can get our hands on. Goldline has reinstated their Mayflower special. Now, this is a gold coin I helped to design with every one ounce quarter. Uh, sorry, with every one quarter ounce gold Mayflower purchased, you're going to receive the one ounce silver and copper Mayflower coins at no additional charge. This is a great deal. You'll get all three medals just when you purchase quarter ounce gold. Do it now. 866 Goldline. 866 Goldline. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn to save 10 bucks off Blaze TV.
so we're talking to Timothy Barton about history, and we're going to do a lot of history in the next few days uh, as we're here getting ready to celebrate Independence Day. Um, but we're at the point of John Quincy Adams. He's dead. Lincoln kind of replaces him mm-hmm. as the head of the anti-slavery. He becomes preg- uh, pregnant. He be- <laughs> Why not? He could. <laughs> He's a man, but men can get pregnant. Anyway, he becomes president uh, and um, and. Uh, John Quincy Adams has a son. And as John Quincy Adams, his son is now coming of age. He kind of repeats the pattern and plays a very important role in grandpa was the uh, guy who worked when the independence of the United States, the declaration of independence. Then you have John Quincy Adams, who's a president and, uh, a strong abolitionist in Congress, and then his son. Yeah. Well, and, and to speak of, John Adams is the guy that helped in the American Revolution with mm-hmm. the Peace Treaty of Paris. John Quincy Adams is the guy that helps in the War of 1812. And also, a fun side note in the War of 1812, is part of our agreement with England at the end of the War of 1812, both nations, America and England at that point, had already banned the slave trade. And we were adamantly, both nations, adamantly opposed to the evil of the slave trade. And John Quincy Adams, part of his agreement with England to end the War of 1812 is that we would send our navies in collaboration off the coast of Africa to turn back any slave ships and try to stop the slave trade from Africa. Nobody ever talks about that. That drives me out of my mind. We had warships trying to stop the slave trade 1813 it was so so they get over there in 1819 but then they're they're there from 1819 all the way until 1861 when the civil war begins lincoln recalls them back in 1861 to come join the union army to fight against the confederate navy is why the the ships came back from africa at that point as the as the civil war unfolds one of the things that the confederates at this point are sending their leaders over into europe they're trying to find allies and they're beginning courting France. And France is pretty close to joining the Confederates for all available evidence. And the ambassador for the North, the Union, was a guy named Charles Francis Adams, the son of John Quincy Adams. And he goes to the actually the the British and the French and says, guys, you you don't want to do this because I understand they're telling you they're just fighting for them, their independence. It's it's a little more that it's a slavery issue. And and he's being told, well, Right. These guys are not saying their number one issue is slavery. Their number one issue they're saying is freedom and independence from oppression. And he says, no, no, this is really about slavery. He says, J- just give us a little time. He says, if you will wait just a few months, it will become very clear this is an issue of slavery. Well, they wait a few months and January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation comes out where Lincoln says, all right, we're freeing all the slaves from all of the Confederate states that are currently in rebellion. And when that happens, that's when France washes their hands. And they're like, all right, we're out. We, we cannot join in this movement because at this point, France is already coming out against slavery as well. And they don't want to be supportive of a nation that's fighting mm-hmm. to preserve their slaves. But literally, you have John Adams, John Quincy Adams, and now Charles Francis Adams, who are the ones navigating to help in these wars. And all of them are very strong anti-slavery individuals. And it, wasn't Rush Limbaugh's wife an Adams? Correct. Yeah, isn't that crazy? The descendants of yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let me uh, let me go back and uh, talk about the Emancipation Proclamation a bit, because Congress had already enacted kind of an emancipation, if you will, and the slaves could be free, but it was it was murky and screwed mm-hmm. up, and then they went back to write it again, 
And we have a letter in the museum from Lincoln, just hastily written to the Senate leader and saying, don't adjourn. Don't adjourn. Right. I'm working on something. Tell me that story. So it, that was he was working on what was known as the Second Confiscation Act. And that is the Confiscation Act was a little bit of a precursor to the Emancipation Proclamation. But the idea was because these states are in rebellion, um, then we have the power and authority to go in and step in and seize some of these things, which is also for people listening. This is where some individuals in the South are like, Lincoln was a tyrant. Look at what he did. And, and even though certainly that could be very tyrannical, depending on what your position was mm-hmm. in the South, because there, there are absolutely indications that there were some people in the South that were thrust in the middle of this that had some of their property confiscated. And literally they're like, we, we weren't even trying to fight you guys right now. Or there were some Confederates who, uh, once they were captured in a war, they were, th- th- there's some interviews that were done. And, and the, some of these interviews are worth note where unit officers would ask them, you guys seem like honorable people, right? We're trying to end slavery and yet you're fighting against us. Why are you doing this? And they said, well, it's because you were on my land. And we say that to give a little context because the political position of the South was very clear, but not everybody supported that. And it's a little bit like our- And I think not everybody was aware- well, and, and to make the full connection, it's like our political leaders today, mm-hmm. right? Like, do we fully support what President Biden or what Nancy Pelosi or some of our congressional leaders, even right now, the Republicans, like, do we fully support everything they're doing? Of course not. But they if are. If we go to war with Russia, how many people that voted for uh, Joe Biden are going to be like, yeah, absolutely. I'm for it. I don't think most people on either side know what the hell we're doing over there. No. And and this is, I think, where there were definitely people in the South that did not support that position. But the political leaders were very clear. And historically, Mm -hmm. politicians write checks all the time. They make their people Mm -hmm. cash. And it's not always great for the people cashing the checks. However, with that being said, the document we have is Lincoln writing the Senate saying, guys, I know you're about to adjourn. Stay a little longer, I'm working on something. It was a second confiscation act. It was the update to the first confiscation act saying that those individuals in rebellion, that, that they can, at this point, they would forfeit some of their property, their possessions. Well, this leads to the Emancipation Proclamation. And as we just celebrated June 19th, mm-hmm. there's many people thinking, right, well, that's when slavery ended. Well, again, that's like, we have so many dumb historical assessments in America today that's not correct. June 19th is when uh, Gordon Granger, a union officer, arrived in Galveston, Texas. He makes the announcement uh, that, hey, the Civil War's over and Emancipation Proclamation has happened. And there were slaves in Texas that had, had not heard any of that news. They didn't, they didn't know the Civil War's over, that they were freed. So this was a, an, an incredible celebration. Well, this is more than two years after the Emancipation Proclamation came That's out. Crazy. What's also worth noting about this is that the Emancipation Proclamation only applied to those states that were actively in rebellion in the Civil War. And there were some states that had already been retaken by the Union before the Emancipation Proclamation. And there were some states that were pro-slavery, that had slaves, but that supported the Union. And so the Emancipation Proclamation did not free all the slaves in America. So even June 19th, when people say, this is what ended slavery. No, it's not. There's a reason we had the 13th Amendment. And the 13th Amendment is what actually ended slavery in America in the sense of what we knew from African slavery. No, slavery in America, in the sense that we knew um, of African slavery. Yes, I guess you're technically right in America, but not in the um, the the map of America, uh, <laughs> because there's another country, several other countries, several other countries in our country. Correct. That we so, always forget about. Right. So one of the things that we 
as, as you're alluding to, we forget about is there are sovereign nations that live inside the United States of America. And those sovereign nations are Indian nations. And in those, so there were several tribes. At that point, the 1860 census identified there were five major tribes and all those tribes, they had African slaves. In fact, I think it was 13, 12 or 13% of those, those tribes were African slaves. Uh, it was the census data that came out um, from, I, I believe it was 1860 is when that's from. But the, the American government had to do new treaties with those Indian tribes to get them to free their slaves after the 13th Amendment is passed and ratified. And in it, we ended up paying those nations, essentially, we, essentially, right? It's like we bought the slaves and then freed the slaves in the American government. But even once America ended slavery, that's not to your point when slavery exactly ended in the, the territory of the United States of America, because there were sovereign nations, the Indian nations that still had slaves, but the American government was so set at that point on ending slavery that they were going at that point actively to those tribes saying, what can we do? Let's, let's renegotiate. And then there were new treaties written saying that there could be no further slavery in those tribes. So how long was it before slavery was truly ended in the territorial United States? The following year is when they went to those tribes, and then the, the treaty was written several years after. Um, but I believe all of all of the slaves had already been freed uh, in that following year. So I would say, really, by 1866 um, is is when practically slavery is is ended in America. You are going to learn so much history if you come through. Now, if you can't get here, that's fine. Um, you know, you can find out all the information at unitedwepledge.org. And I think they're selling walk-up tickets. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, you're invited to come. If you can't come, we did a special on blaze TV that takes you through and shows you some of the documents, some of the artifacts, some things that you probably didn't even know exist that really change history. Um, I want to uh, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get um, uh, Stephen Mansfield on because he's got a different look at Lincoln. I I really think it's important that we learn the good side and the bad side of everybody and of every country. Uh, and, you know, we've done monstrous things in our country, um, but we've also done some really glorious things. Mm. Mansfield has a book out about Lincoln's battle with God and he really was before he uh uh found god or found his way he was really kind of a dark dude wasn't he he lincoln did embrace and really go a a very different direction than what he's remembered for in a lot of respects where you've identified before you've talked about it where lincoln grew up in a very abusive home his, his father was a christian but he was an alcoholic he, he beat lincoln he beat the mom and and so when Lincoln kind of comes of age and leaves home, he decides he's going to be an atheist because he can't stand what his father did. And if his father represents Christianity, he wanted nothing to do with it. So Lincoln ran headlong in the opposite direction. And, and Lincoln becomes an, an avid, outspoken atheist. He hates Christianity. He uh, begins visiting brothels, has many mental breakdowns, uh, many of them associated to, he thought he, uh, because he had been visiting these brothels, he thought he had contracted syphilis and was going to die of syphilis. And when, I mean, when you see Lincoln, it's very evident. He was running as far away as he could from what he had heard is what Christianity was. Mm. And that is absolutely not the story we generally get of, of Lincoln. But it's also, as, as you're saying, we want to learn the good and bad. I mean, really, what, what you're indicating is we want to learn the true story. Yeah. And if, 
it, it, it's it's one thing that I think is important too to balance is if we're looking, for example, at George Washington and saying, we need to learn the good and bad. We'll learn the whole story. And if someone says, but you're highlighting more good about Washington than bad. Well, that's because you're going to find way more good in his life than bad. Right. But and he, and the bad would have just led to his personal destruction. The bad in Lincoln really stopped before he uh, gained public office. And it's not what he did. The good is what you remember correct. him for. If he were visiting brothels and everything else while he were president, it would probably play a bigger, important role. But you're not held to things of your past if you repent for them right. or pay the, you know, the civil price if you broke the law. And, and that's where, as, as even we navigate history, there are some people that say you need to balance it and then say as many good things as bad things. And that's just not honest or accurate historically. Some people had way more bad than good. Some had way more good than bad. But you want to learn the honest story. You notice nobody says that about Hitler. <laughs> right? Yeah. Nobody says, well, oh, what, you what know, all the you, good things. Yeah. He invented freeways. Okay. That doesn't really balance anything. <laughs> Wasn't he an artist too? Yeah. He was an artist. I hear kind of a all bad artists one. have a dark side. Well, no, no, not, not all artists. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy, uh, Timothy Barton from wallbuilders.com. They do an just amazing work uh, with teachers, with education, uh, history. They are really, they're my good, dear friends and have done so much um, unsung good. Uh, and it's a privilege to have you on. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Timothy. Tim, Tim Barton on uh, the Glenn Beck program from wallbuilders.com. So what's the biggest summer secret to getting a great looking, glowing summer complexion? Well, taking great care of your skin is really important. But it's a lot more than just staying hydrated and using sun protection. Sun damage, humidity, uh, dehydrated skin, uh, covered in dark spots, puffy bags under the eyes. These are all problems that everybody faces eventually. And, you know, there's not a, not a whole lot of fun involved in that process. But thankfully, GenuCell has the perfect answer. Introducing GenuCell's beautifully curated summer essentials package. This limited edition package includes their one-of-a-kind ultra-retinol super moisturizer, which includes a power plant extract alternative to retinol so you can ditch the harsh side effects. It's perfectly safe to use in the summer sun and the classic skincare therapy for dealing with under eye bags and puffiness. Right now you can go to GenuCell.com back and get your GenuCell Summer Essentials Package. And just for the summer, uh, you can get the subscription order that includes a customized summer spa gift box absolutely free. This is a great gift, by the way, for anyone that you got coming up on your list. Every summer package includes GenuCell's immediate effects, also free. And with the immediate effects, you get results guaranteed in 12 hours or less. So you're going to know, and there's no risk here. Uh, don't uh, don't wait. Go check out GenuCell.com slash Beck now. GenuCell.com slash Beck. Great gift for you. The best in skincare for someone you love. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Beck. The Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glennbeck.com. What does it say about the Republican Party that the next guy down is Ron DeSantis, who, who is running the most openly fascist campaign openly. I think I've ever seen? And I'm saying that having covered Donald Trump oh. running for president. Oh. That's the next guy down. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you're inside DeSantis' war room, you've got to think of a way to get yourself indicted to get up ahead of Donald Trump. <laughs> um, That's funny. You, you know, this just goes to my point that this is what the party wants to be. And it's a hard thing for a lot of us who worked in the party to accept mm-hmm. that we helped create this moment. But we did. And and this this is very purposeful by the party. It's not something they stumbled into. Their second choice is a guy who is worse than Trump. So, oh, there we go. There we go. We got it. All right, that's uh, from, by the way, really- uh, noted homophobe Joy Reid's program, talking what it, once again about now DeSantis is, is worse than Trump. And this is what happens every single time a Republican runs for office. And we've obviously Trump gets the worst of this probably over the past few years. But if you go back, remember, they were calling George W. Bush a terrorist, a terrorist. And then Giuliani took the lead and he was going to be worse than Trump. And then McCain got the nomination. He was going to be worse than Trump. And then Romney got it and he was going to be worse, excuse me, than Bush. And then Trump got it and he was the worst. And then now DeSantis is worse than even Trump, who they've been spending two years telling us he was uniquely horrible for so many reasons. And now the new guy who's behind Trump in the polls is going to be worse than Trump. It's the same story over and over and over again. And why would anyone believe it? We'll have more tomorrow here on the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program.